When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your hungover returning host, Craig Fowler, and I am joined by two men to help me to, yeah, to help me talk through the quarterfinals. Like, full stop. Yeah, just to help me talk. Uh, you heard one of them there, that's Duncan Mackay. Hello, Duncan. Hi, Craig. You're, uh, this is a great performance so far. And Craig Anderson. What the listeners don't know is that was the third attempt at recording the intro. Um, so you, you, you've and and that and this is the one that's staying in. So that tells you what the first two were like. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still not still not right after Florence. Barely slept. Like it's just carrying. I was sleeping, sleeping part and went to pot, and then I'm just like, like. Uh, yeah, that that that, uh, that one hour really kills you. <laughs> Aye, the yeah, thing is, not... you might have had an element of sympathy there, but then you dropped the, the Florence thing, and the, the, it is all the world's tiniest violins coming out. Still bevying for six days, though. And six six days it ended up being that was just a bit silly. And then, oh, um... it was. I, I've heard about those Italians that hold guns to people's heads and make them drink. Yeah, that was that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so yeah. Back, we're, we're back, and we're back with a kind of normal-esque show, kind of covering games that just happened. And in this instance, we are going to be talking about the Premier Sports quarterfinals. Apologies for missing out on on Monday's show. We just instead put in a, a, a interesting interview that Craig Telford done about Cowden Beef, but uh, we just couldn't. The, the, we're going to go ahead. It was planned for myself, Craig Anderson, and you and Taylor. I messaged them on Sunday. I was like, there's absolutely no danger I'm making this because I'm still... Because, like, Friday was when I got back... Saturday was the really bad hangover. So it was even a struggle to get to the San Siro kind of thing. I was having to, like, drink to make myself feel normal. No, but it was like... It was the point where myself and my mate were coming along. Oh, the strings are playing again. You're the... the, the, First and second violin. Just... We will come and take the Shut up, Duncan. We get it. (laughs) When we woke up in the morning and we're like feeling that rough, we're like, well, we just patch it. Like, no, nah, we can't. We'll just regret it if we do. Like, fuck it, let's go. And just like, 
drinking j- j- these massive gin and tonics ended up okay, we got this, like six of them ended up costing like 80 euros because we're at a cafe across from Milano Central which so if you're ever in uh, Milan don't do that that was an absolute ripoff. Uh, but that experience was class so I was glad I'd done it but then afterwards I was like I had to message Craig I was like there's no chance I'm doing it because I'll no get the chance to see anything I've still got to do the meeting for a view for the terrace tomorrow night that's going to be hellish and then you and Taylor uh, had to call off with a, a sickness that wasn't self-inflicted so it was just would have been either Craig Anderson doing an, an hour monologue or no show and instead we used Telfer's interview. So apologies for anybody who was really looking forward to hearing about their team win, especially Aberdeen fans who probably were even looking forward to hearing somebody from our hearts contingent be miserable about hearts and, and how better Aberdeen were. Um, but uh, fuck you, unlucky. And, and I can't believe that the, the one hour monologue on me wasn't the, the chosen option, to be honest. I think uh, I, I would have enjoyed listening to that. Well, Craig, you've got the opportunity to to, prov- to prove exactly what a monologue of yours sounds like because you, well, to be fair, Duncan, you watched this game as well, but uh, I didn't see any of the Kilmarnock victory over Dundee United. Obviously, we get Duncan's thoughts as well. Or Duncan. In fact, you two just talked to each other for a bit. <laughs> I'll stare at the middle distance uh, as you recount the 2-1 victory for the Ayrshire side with Kyle Lafferty apparently. Glenn Middleton soon cancelling out in the 10th minute. But Daniel Armstrong, who is on red hot form at the moment, getting the winning goal. Craig, how was the match? Yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, Dundee United were very, very poor. And we have to kind of... I feel like all the conversation about Kelly's last four games, maybe the St Mirren one accepted, because Kelly have, have played, in, in my opinion, pretty well in the last four games with two wins and two draws. And at least three, the three games at Rugby Park, the opponents have not played well. But at that point, you maybe start to think, is this down to us not allowing them to play well also? But at the same time, Dundee United's defence was a shambles, and I don't think that was uh, that was Derek McInnes' <laughs> doing, to be honest. Um, but it was ever since Kelly have been able to get the two wingers back on the pitch and get, you know, Jones, it's Jones and Armstrong, it's made a massive difference in terms of just getting the team up the park and, and the two of them have started to um, to link up well with each other, but also with, with Lafferty normally at centre-forward, but we also had um, Christian Deutsch this time. It's the first time I've seen him look competent in a Kelly jersey. I thought he had a really good game. Wait, um, wait, sorry, Craig, what, went, what you mean to say is the first time he's looked competent since... Last August, but well, I couldn't comment on every single hip's performance. But uh, yeah, that sounds about right. But uh, so it was a, it was a front two this time. But um, of course, Lafferty is now banned for ten games and won't be back until the semi final. And Doidge uh, went off injured, so who knows? We'll, we'll be back to square one again. All this, but I thought Kelly thoroughly deserved to win. I thought. Aside from maybe 20 minutes after half-time, we were by far the better team in the game. Um, and even at that, United didn't create loads in that wee spell where they were probably on top. So, I mean, I don't know what you thought. Is that a neutral viewer, Duncan? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that assessment. It wasn't, I mean, I think it's fair to say that uh, all three televised games uh, in this in the competition uh, this week uh, were not great adverts for Scottish football, I would say. like I, don't, I, I think they failed to... Um, if you were you if you're watching as a as a neutral as I was, as a, you did start to your mind did start to drift a little. Um, but again, yeah, there was there was a few noticeable points to talk about, which is as you mentioned um, the the rise and rise, I suppose, of, of Anderson 
um, but also the just the um, Armstrong, sorry, not Anderson. Like I was getting like I was Are looking literally at you saying, I uh, know I was literally you know, the rise and rise of Craig Anderson as well. She'd also be top, but that uh, very. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, again. Uh, as someone who has a, a lot of uh, personal stake in Christian Doidge, it was good to see him playing well. But I, so much of that is relies basically on Dundee United making him look good. I think if that meal that Doidge has no pace and hasn't had for, uh, well, he was never slow to begin with, and then that injury that he, he received really absolutely buckled him. But yet that uh, <laughs> that Dundee United backs. Back three really made him look like a superstar, uh, made him look young and energetic, which I think is a is a real problem for for Dun United. And and again, it's just that there is I've just Dun United are a, such an unbalanced team as well. To and it's not not particularly enjoyable to watch. You can't see where they're going. And that I mean that was the case. Uh, it's one place they might be going. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's definitely after day, not the small claims court. Uh, after, uh, <laughs> you know, so, 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 um, <laughs> Get out of you. But, uh, the United I mean, again, Dr. Duncan Freeman doesn't understand. Dundee United lost the claim against Hearts <laughs> for competition for Lewis Nielsen. You can maybe have him back, to be honest, but um, you're, not, you're not getting anybody from But you're going to have to pay for him. You're going to have to pay for him. Sell him back. And, and, and seeing as the... the, the the bean counters at Tannadice, that, that probably will be what happens. Um, but again, you know, like the, the signings they are making are, are not, uh, do, you can't see what the direction of travel is with, with Dundee United uh, since, uh, since the summer. And, and I would, I would be a bit worried about them just, but you know, they've got quality in places, but none of it, none of it's cohesive. So the, yeah, like, I, and and the, the the back is a shambles, really. Sorry, yeah, that was what I was going to ask. Like the signing Arnold Jim, like so, Craig, how how did Jim play? And, and sorry, what I was going to ask? Obviously, United's best player, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, it was, it was really good because um, I was very skeptical of the signing, having seen what the um, I've just seen where he's been since he left Hearts. Basically, so I thought it was it was good for Hearts, but maybe like like many Hearts players very divisive amongst the support. Like some people thought it was the best thing ever and some thought it was terrible. But yeah, it, there's, there's it, potentially I, potentially a reason for that that didn't nothing to do with football ability, but but continue. Um but so but since then he's not really exactly had the most uh, the most amazing career. He's uh, thirty three now I think. But you know I thought he was very good actually in this game but uh, the the rest roundabout him or not. Right, well, sorry, suppose, to, sorry to probably cut cut across your point that you were going well, to make. There. You could still make it in the terms of they signed a good player, but is it was it a good player they necessarily needed? Did they need somebody else who's you know a good on the ball midfielder? And because you know perhaps Dylan Levitt would be better if he was playing alongside somebody who can maybe do a bit more dirty work. Maybe Jimmy McGrath would play better if he played alongside somebody who could do a bit more dirty work. Arnold Jim is not somebody who's going to do much dirty work for you. He is a he's a very kind of well, language. I mean, yeah, style of player. He's very good touch. He could be quite creative, and he could he could score goals. I was a huge Jim fan when he was at Hearts, and I think some of the stick he got off of Hearts fans was uh, baffling at times, especially when we had teams where he was the only one that could control a ball. Like, so so he, <laughs> so he runs about no as much, and you know he he keeps saying in interviews that he wants to move to the English Premier League. Oh, well, I mean, no fucking shit. Like everybody wants to move there for Scottish football. Like giving him a shit for that, and uh, yeah, and like a uh, insinuated earlier, there's probably some. Among uh, the 
arsehole element of the heart support. Uh, there was probably one other reason as well why uh, a man from Cameroon was m- maybe stood out to them a bit more when he wasn't having a good game. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But, but I suppose on that, the, the, um, on the opposite side, and you, you heard it in uh, Derek McInnes' interview with uh, with the BBC after the game, so I didn't, I didn't see the post match on on Premier Sports his interview, but post match uh, his post match interview with the BBC on the radio. Uh, you what <laughs> that man is in love with Alan Power, uh, and it was and it was, and and Tuesday's performance was exactly why you can see like you know, that, that you can see why he said that you know it, it, he was always a fan of him. He tried tried to him for Aberdeen at one stage. And uh, they basically met for one coffee, and he was like, "I'm, I'm, I'm signing him." Um, and you can, you can see why just because of what, of what that, that just that balance and that ballast that he brings to, I'm not even, I'm not even going to say like to the command mid- midfield because it's to the entire team. It's all, it's he, he has got the ability to link both the defense and the the the, the more attacking players in the midfield that, that make that form that partnership, which is going to be so. Critical, especially with Lafferty suspended and Dodge out for maybe maybe weeks. Yeah, and, and Power, I, it's, I I'm a massive fan of Power, but I also thought he was always incredibly overrated by our support. And on the basis that you would have, like, even when we were really really good, you would have the man of the match polls on the forum, and it would be like a three to one system, and and he would generally win it in a season by like sixty and seventy points ahead of like Gary Dicker, Greg Stewart. Stephen O'Donnell and all the rest of them. And I'm like, I mean, these guys are better than him. Uh, but he has been very good since he came back in it and he was excellent. He was he was for me man of the match on um, the other night by by quite a distance. I thought he was really, really good. Um, really good on the ball, composed, all the things you want. But it speaks to, I think, McInnes is starting to get what he wants out of this team. And, and he was, I was slightly teased for it earlier on the season but I said like with the, the fixture list and the way it worked out and the injuries were a wee bit unkind in terms of how the season started for Kelly because a number of the early games were the games that we never do that well in and then now that we've had some games at Rugby Park against teams that were kind of at the same level we're picking up results um, but he's, it's a very strange system that we've kind of stumbled into sorry I say stumbled into as if it's, it's something McInnes has sort of done before because he did it a bit at Aberdeen as well I think it's more of a back three, but I'm a, one of very few people who think that. Um, <laughs> I think it, everyone's kind of calling it a four, and he said that he moved to a four at one point during the game as well. So he's obviously not. It's, it's kind of in between because you've got three centre-backs. Um, usually Taylor's one of them. He was um, carrying a wee knock, so he only came on at the end of this one. But the two wide centre-backs are both kind of able. So you've got Mayo and you've got... Um, Chris Stokes are both been kind of able to move over to the side a little bit. And so sometimes it looks like Stokes is playing left back. Sometimes it looks like Mayo's playing right back, but you've got the two, um, the two wingers. So you've got, so you've got one wing back on the pitch. Basically it was Alibiosu in this game. Um, It's been Kriseni before on the left. So that obviously flips it around, but then you've got two wingers, kind of one on each side as well. And for me, Armstrong 
when we played with uh, Chris Enney, was really playing as a right wing back, but others disagreed. And for me, the other night, Jones was essentially a left wing back. Um, but it's it's probably, it was kind of a three and a half at the back is how I would describe it. Um, but you've got these three wide players who love to attack on the park together. Um, and it kind of did remind me of the 3-4-3 he played at Aberdeen a bit because sometimes they would have like someone like Hedges in the middle of that as well. And they would be kind of flipping out to the wide areas. And I think the way we are playing at Rugby Park just now, you're constantly getting players in the wide areas running at opponents. Lafferty's been the fulcrum in the attack that's held that together. And I was worried because Blair Alston wasn't playing, not a phrase I thought I would be saying, um, to be <laughs> honest. But he had been coming to the midfield and had offered like a bit of verticality, like running from deep, getting forward, getting into the box and really opening the games up. And with him out and Deutsch in instead, it looked obviously a bit more direct. And, and it was a bit more direct, but it worked really well for this game because they had a back three with one defender in it, one central defender in it anyway. And, and it showed and... Power has the legs in him to hold that midfield together and obviously Rory McKenzie does does a lot of running. And so I thought the system, I think the system has been working really, really well. It's got the best out um pretty much all the players that are there. Um and it will be interesting to see how it develops without Lafferty. I was really worried about that going into that game. The fact that Deutsch is showing something makes me a, a wee bit more hopeful that maybe we'll get one or two things out of him. We do still have Ennis Cameron who can occupy space at least. We do still have Ollie Shaw who can run about. So it's not like we don't have forwards, but I think there has to be some serious thought to just playing Ash Taylor as a centre forward at this point, to be honest, because <laughs> uh, he, he scores half our goals anyway. But it, it's not, I mean, it's obviously not a serious uh, suggestion, but it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Um, and the other player I wanted to single out is Lewis Mayo, because I... Thought he was excellent in the championship last season. I think I spoke the last time about him playing as a sort of standard right back, which I thought he was um, not very good at. But seeing this in between kind of role, he's um, he's excelling at that. And yes, there are question marks about him in terms of physicality, in terms of the actual nuts and bolts of defending, the actually kind of the the sort of basic stuff. But see, when he gets the ball and he's kind of bringing it out, it looks very classy. There's an element of Jack Hendry about him. Um, now he, that's obviously now become high praise, but he's. Um, I think he is starting to grow in confidence. It reminds me of a bit when Stuart Findlay came into the team and he and he was he, he kind of stunk out the place to start with and then got better. Doubt he'll get that far, but he's uh, he's he's doing well and all of that across the board. It wasn't like a superb performance or anything like that, but just those last four games, there's been so much to like about the performances and. I think it's two defeats in 16 at Rugby Park at this point, which was Celtic and, and then Wraith Rovers in the Challenge Cup. Um, we did lose on penalties to Thistle, but that, that kind of goes down as a draw because it was a, the group stage. So I think we're going to get the bulkier points at Rugby Park and the fact the semi-final is A, not at Rugby Park and B, against Celtic. I'm not exactly confident about it, but just to be back, because it's been, it's been 10 years, um, it'll be good to, to be able to go and watch Kelly at Hampton again. Before so we, on the on. um oh sorry no I was just going to say that on the <laughs> on the uh, we should probably talk about the I suppose the the controversial uh, first goal um, <clears throat> the penalty uh, 
this, that was probably the last hurrah for that sort of thing, isn't it? That, that basically a striker stop demands that players stop to, to appeal for the penalty. Because uh, now that we're going to be in the now that we're recording this on VAR Eve, um, like it does, like it, it's, it's going to change, isn't it? Like, and your view at the time, Craig, you said to us in the group chat that it was that you felt it was a penalty. I think I had, that was, I had that, I had that, was, that was a minority, a minority <laughs> uh, view at the time. Because, uh, but again, it's the, it, the our way of watching the, our way of watching Scottish football is about to change, isn't it? So first of all, that was that was one of the most blatant um, instances I've ever seen of a referee not being sure, and then the the reaction of the player definitely did influence him there because Lafferty basically just stopped and started appealing for it. I thought live, I thought watching it live, it was a it looked like a handball, but watching it, but it did come off his arm. I think it it was it was a very harsh decision. Um, would would Far have definitely overturned it? I don't know um, because it, it was probably, but. I there would be there is enough wiggle room for it not to have done, which is why I am I'm hugely against VAR to be honest, because I think it's you're you're getting all of this stuff. You're still going to have the controversy, and the games are going to take longer, and it's just going. To, yeah, I just don't think it's um, it's going to be helpful. But probably in reflection, it was it was a lucky penalty to get. Um, and then yeah, if we talk on, on the goals more generally, a lovely finish from Glenn Middleton, I think. Um, obviously, frustrating from Kelly's point of view to concede so quickly, but at the same time, I couldn't pinpoint like a definite mistake there. It's like the, the they should have maybe covered people a bit better, but you do not expect him to score from there. Um, just from like the way he did, there was like almost no backlift, no anything. that just kind of pinged off his foot. Um, and then the winning goal is just a lovely, um, lovely bit of link-up. It really reminded me of um, a goal Kelly scored, the, the winning goal Kelly scored when we beat Celtic one at Rugby Park where Malumbu ghosted in at the back post and it was Jordan Jones made the same sort of ball and he just appeared out of nowhere. Um, Malumbu kind of, I think, side-footed in and it was a header from Armstrong, but there was like a similarity in the position of the pitch the ball came from and all the rest of it. The defending is terrible. It's, I think it is BH who should be picking up Armstrong. BH is, is not a defender. There's a lot of things he no. may be, but a defender isn't one of them. And um, that that defensive line had that kind of goal coming all night, and and yeah, saw the game out for once fairly comfortably. And um, the only good chance United, it wasn't even a chance, but uh, Stephen Fletcher's effort from way downtown, as uh, as the basketball commentators may say, um, on NBA Heat. Um, have, uh, that's what, that's what Texas the game was called, appreciates it. NBA Jam, sorry, it was called, wasn't it? Um, they still say from way downtown. Um, they, say it, they say it in the games as well. What, do they? I never know if it's like a real saying or just it just happened to be in one game that I used to play on the Sega Mega Drive. Um, but he, um, I thought that was going in. I thought from the moment he left Fletcher's foot, that was sailing in and it was relieved to see it over the bar. But no, I thought for once we saw the game out well and yeah, deserved, deserved to get through. Before we move on, Craig... We mentioned Ash Taylor earlier. His replacement in this match was Joe Wright, the centre-back, signed in the summer. Yep. Now, I don't want to make this all about hearts, but why break the habit of a lifetime? <laughs> How is Joe Wright? Because if he's any good, or if he's just decent at this level, he is exactly the type of player that hearts are crying out for at this moment in time. A centre-back who can head the ball. So so I can see why hearts didn't sign him on the basis that he's... He's probably average for this level. That's my feeling. He's been okay. He's 
I I really liked what I saw on the opening day of the season against United because um, he was he got a lot of time in the ball and he seemed to be okay with it at his feet. But he's mainly you know backs to the wall kind of defender. He had a wee bit of a poor run, but that was when we were playing a back four like with two really attacking fullbacks. I don't think it's really going to work for this team. Um, since we've kind of adjusted things a bit, he's he's been in and out, but he looks good enough in it. Clearly, Hearts would be, be would have been better off with him at centre back than what they've ended up with in these games because Hearts have been playing games with like zero centre. I talked about I talked about um, United having a back three with one centre back in it. In my opinion, Hearts have been playing a back um, a back four with no centre backs. Um, like Kingsley can possibly play there in a three. Cochrane can, can possibly play there in a three if he's got Craig Alcott beside him. Yeah, neither of them can play together in a four. I thought that was showing up quite badly at Rugby Park. And then they obviously they didn't have much choice. Well, they did because Lewis Nielsen could have played that game. But it was kind of showing up in, in Florence as well that these guys are not going to be a defensive partnership. And I was baffled that I didn't sign another centre-half full stop. I just think they've, they've gone with, what, five in total. And I'm not saying he was the guy, but... They needed that guy, um, yeah. so it's, uh, I think I think he would have been in hindsight. I believe if if Hearts knew what was they knew now, they would have probably signed him. But I don't I don't think he's it's, it's not like some superstar you've missed out on either. Yeah, uh, we'd, uh, we don't do well. We actually we've done one recently, but we don't often do punt of the week anymore. But I would just say if uh, George Jackamakis is playing for Celtic at the weekend, or he's starting for Celtic, or if he comes on the bench, comes off the bench with any decent amount of time in the game at Tynecastle, absolutely stick your stick whatever you've got on him to score because any single ball into the box is like a, a headed goal now against Hearts for any forward who's decent in the air. Jack Amakis is good in the air, and he's obviously going to have players who are good at crossing from him, and he will absolutely feast. If he doesn't score at least once on Saturday, and if he, if he plays, I'll be, I'll be shocked. I will be shocked. Um, right, let's move on. And uh, let's move on to Jack Amakis' team, actually. Let's move on to Celtic, who fairly comfortably destroyed Motherwell 4-0 on, on Thursday in the earlier game. In this one, right away, Celtic were... Because recently, Motherwell gave Celtic a, a decent game at Celtic Park. They gave Rangers certainly a decent game at, at Fort Park. It, it wasn't a great game to watch, but they were certainly well in the match. And you kind of wondered, you know, under the lights, playing quite well at the moment, are they going to spring a surprise? If you kind of looked at the fixtures, you thought that was the one. Obviously, Kamarnock and, and Dundee United fairly kind of even contest, but if there are other ones, you thought if, if there's going to be a shock, they might come here. But no, Celtic were dominant from the start. They did have to survive a scare where McKinstry really should have put Motherwell ahead after a Moritz Jens, a couple of really weird kind of moments for him in, in the space of about two or three seconds, allowed Connor Shields to fire the ball across goal. But uh, he bottled that chance and then it looked like they were maybe going to get away with it to halftime at 0-0. And you're thinking, okay, they're maybe going to frustrate them. And then from Motherwell's point of view, a really poor goal to lose because they had about three chances to clear it. And then ultimately, it's a really nice interchange between Abada and Taylor. Really firing it, zipping it across the park to each other until eventually Taylor crosses for Abada to score. But there's like so many defenders you point to. Connor Shields is one of them like just kind of falling asleep. And then at the start of the second half, Celtic with their tails up. The wall soon caved in on Motherwell and it ended up being 4-0. So, 
Guys, I was just kind of, of the notes I had, Rio Hotati's pretty fucking good. <laughs> The the goal we scores is ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's probably a goal you only score when you're already winning because, like, the the there was an air of dejection about Motherwell before it mm. even gets into him. But the feet is um, the only player I think I can remember in recent times with feet like that um, was Edward. Um, I remember him scoring a really good goal at Rugby Park where he he did a kind of drag back and flicked one in. Just just sensational the way he. It's like three touches, I think, between I'm receiving the ball and I'm sticking it in the net, and every one of them is like inch perfect. And a guy who you feel like had he arrived in Scotland like three or four years earlier would be a massive saleable asset. They might still be able to move him on, but he's he's kind of already, you know, twenty seven, twenty eight, I think. Um, and that that makes me think he he's more likely to hang about at Celtic. But what what a very good player he is. He's twenty four. Oh, is he? Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, had a, I had him down as being a wee bit older. Is Kyogo a bit older? Is that who? I, I knew one of the, the Japanese players that, that arrived at the same time were. Um... Kyogo, yeah, yeah Kyogo's 27. They didn't arrive at the same time either, though, but yeah. No, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, but no, well, so they maybe, they maybe can see, it maybe will be attracting interest because I think he has a, he's a player who has. The ability to play at a higher level. There are there are some players who you come and play really well for Celtic. I would probably put Kyogo in that category, where you or Jack and Marcus as well, where you're like they're doing well for Celtic, but Celtic's probably about their ceiling. Uh, I don't think that's the case for um, for Hatati at all. I think he has so much technique, he's so much elegance. He has obviously very good at shooting from range, all the rest of it, and some of the goals he scores it's like a bit of a highlight reel at times and yeah he's um yeah he's a, a very very exciting player and, and it will be interesting to see how he gets on at the world cup because we've not really seen him against better teams if you know what i mean yeah. that often he, he played he played well for a spell in europe he's had like a, a couple of okay performances like um champions league but it would be good to see a bit more of him Domestically, he's been excellent, and this is kind of what Celtic fans were actually saying. Like, in the summer, he was the player they were really looking forward to see the most because he obviously arrived in the scene and he looked phenomenal. And then, he's, and then he's, his form really kind of tailed off towards the end of the campaign. But he'd only he'd kind of completed two seasons or, or, or a season and a half back-to-back, and they were saying, like, he was clearly tiring. So give him a rest, give him a pre-season, and then see what he can do. And, oh boy, he could do a lot. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that's sad because I remember it was the... Again, we seem to be harking back to every time players have played your own club or memories of that. But yeah, there was a lunchtime kickoff at, uh, last season where he was fairly anonymous against Hibs, and you were like, "This, this guy, all this fuss!" Like, because you obviously there's a difference between watching them on TV and then being able to see them in person, and you actually get to watch their movement and stuff. And I remember me and Tony just not being that impressed by by any of them. But then again, it, as you were saying, it's that. He played that long season, and also we we do not uh, give a a lot of leniency around the adaptation that is required, and it's a very very different league to the J League. I think would be uh, an understatement. <laughs> yes, uh, just just a little <laughs> bit. I think would be like I don't think there's uh, anything quite like I don't know um, Fur Park in in Japan. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I'll. 
I was just about to make a horrendous joke there, and I won't. Uh, so, that, that, yeah, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I'm going to move on. Uh, but again, I think you're, I think you're also right, Craig, Craig Anderson, in the sense that uh, he was able to do certain things last night because the game was gone, and the goal was one of them. I don't think you necessarily would you would see him maybe attempt that in a in a early doors or it's nil nil in the game, but. Uh, I think going back going back to the game the game itself and Motherwell, like it's that thing. If if McKinstry takes his chance first half, it's a different game. Like you all, how many times we talk about it, when you're playing the old firm, you will get a chance, but you've got to take it to change well, the game. For, and, for viewers who didn't see the game and who only watched the Premier Sports highlights of this, they will be thinking, "What chance?" Because they didn't include it. Bloody hell! That's, it's an absolute sitter. Yeah, it was. Um, it was in. That's that's a that's a. I mean, he even has time to take a touch if he wants. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a young player who's not played a lot of senior football who kind of sees his, his name and lights as such and panics a bit. Oh, well, I think it's kind of understand degree understandable because you also don't <laughs> don't expect to be given such an easy chance by a team like Celtic. You know, like it like is that he did have a, a little bit of time to think about it because. No one was expecting uh, such a, a a mess in defence from from Jens. Before we move on to Motherwell, could somebody tell me why they're making such a big deal? And I don't mean Celtic, although kind of, it was a wee bit of a deal made about it by Celtic, but the Premier Sports commentary as well. Such a big deal that Kyogo scoring. Oh, that goal! Oh, get him going! Oh, it was like all right, Kyogo not scored in a while. I was like, I'm pretty sure I can remember scoring it recently. <laughs> yeah, it was 18 days ago against Motherwell. And th- to be fair, this is. That was the goal that he scored on Wednesday night. Was he's like he'd gone through a period of what I think it was eight games or something, eight or nine games with one goal. But like a lot of these are in Europe against higher standards of players. Like, and he's already scored against this team recently. How is this goal? If he suffered for such a kind of crisis of confidence, how is this goal really going to shake him out of it? Like, I, under- I may have understood the kind of reaction to it. <laughs> it's like, a tapping. Right, it's yeah. a tapping as well. I may have understood this reaction to it if um, he's like. If like he hadn't scored previous to Motherwell, and his last goal was literally in August, but he's got eight goals in fourteen like, games. Yeah, like like that Peter Crouch at Liverpool stretch where he like, he was just not scoring full stop. Yeah. He basically yeah. doesn't score in Europe because Celtic are struggling in Europe. But the, the domestic football he scored all the time, but he'll probably score a hat trick at Tynecastle. Like so, I just thought I found that was a bit, a bit bizarre. Motherwell, before we move on briefly, I think they've. I think this has been one of the first times they've really put, played really poorly under under Stevie Hamill. And I could, I could read in the forum, like, Motherwell fans already kind of mourning a wee bit. And I would just want to say, calm down a little bit, because I saw somebody saying, like, well, we're, the, the, the squad's shit, and then Hamill gave them a, a manager, a, a new manager bounce, and they were back to being shit again. If you look at the run of fixtures they've had, it's been a really tough one. And it's also included games where, like, Hearts, they shouldn't have lost that, let alone 3-0. Easter Road, they probably, if not for Connor Shields' um, triple brain fart, I don't think they lose that as well. I didn't see really much for Hibs to suggest they were going to win that game before the red card. And then they get beat by Celtic after going twice against the old firm, where they give them good accounts of themselves, and they played Ross County as well. So it's been, and, and they played well against Ross County. So it's been a real kind of, kind of tough period for them. They've only won the, the one game that you would expect them to win. I still think they've played well in the majority. And I still think Stevie Hamill 
like if you're going to say it was just a new manager bounce, I don't think that's necessarily true. Like Stevie Hamill still looks like he's a good manager. They, they, yeah, they didn't play well at all against Celtic. They were, they were very deservedly beaten. But it is Celtic, and when Celtic turn up, it is sometimes very hard. And, uh, but in, in Connor Shields, Connor Shields actually is a good example. So we've mentioned him a few times. Connor Shields, they've still got a weak squad, I would say, because Connor Shields, not a premiership player for me. A guy who just runs, really. A lot of hard running. Very good championship player. Exceptional at any level below that. But Premiership, don't think has it. And there's a few other guys in that squad I think you could probably say the same about. Yeah, I think I think they are... They have... Like a lot of teams, I think they'll probably finish bottom six. And I think a lot of the bottom six teams have got some good players, some okay players, and a few players that are like, oh, this guy shouldn't be playing here. And they probably it probably is going to come down to which managers will get the best out of the least good players. And then how, which of the... Good players will will drag their team through it the most as well, um, and and it's one of the things with us. I think like in terms of a manager who consistently has done well at this level, that's why I'm a bit more confident over the last few games. Motherwell, Hamill's unproven, but I think of the squads down the bottom, they've got a slight, they've got some slightly better players kicking about there. Um, that and they've also got some character that I think will be helpful in there. They've got guys like McGinn who. Maybe not the best player, but has a lot of experience and can kind of, you know, knows knows how to win games and all the kind of cliched stuff. But he, he does. I mean, there there is a lot to be said for that. Um, well, it's, it's well. about it, it, there is a lot to be said for having character, not characters, but character. Uh, like, and you know, the, the I think that has been missing a bit from from Hibs this season in terms of a person who has standards, knows that he's not the most gifted football in the world, but You'll never get less than you'll never get less than one hundred percent from Paul McGinn. He might be having a shocker, but he's, you could never uh, doubt his commitment or see the talent thrown in or whatever. And that does rub off. And they've also got a very good goalkeeper, and I think that will be the main thing that will will help them. Even in this game, there was there was a couple of really good saves, and yeah, yeah, he makes the odd blunder, but um, who doesn't in this league? Right, let's move on to the game at Ibrox. <laughs> oh boy. Rangers are fucking shite. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a real air of just going through the motions until the manager gets sacked for me from, from every single game I see from them recently. And and they've been winning. They've also won the last the last couple and stuff like that. But it's just like, there's just nothing to like about the performances. And it, they were very, very nearly done over at the end by a... Mid-table championship team. Yeah, a Dundee and, team that I mean, aren't okay, great form. Okay, yeah, mid-table in the championship means like two, three points off the lead, but it's still um, they they were like that um, Osai who came on, who I I didn't know much about aside from Gary excitedly saying that he'd played with Mbappe, and then Sean, um, I think it was kind of then identifying his goal-scoring record that every club he'd ever been at, but he kind of somewhat terrorised. Um, Rangers defence when he came on the park and, and that is in itself not a good sign I would say um, and, and there was just a lot of kind of laxness about everything they did and, and it does feel like it did feel like a night they could have got a bloody nose and it feels like a, a big bloody nose is coming for them yeah, a bigger bloody nose than getting beat 7-1 at home in Europe I mean domestically um, is coming for them soon so Celtic didn't score. I think, sorry, oh. sorry, Duncan. Celtic didn't score early, but Celtic eventually scored after forty minutes, and you thought, well, that's it, game over. And had they scored earlier, I would have thought the exact same, and that's what it proved to be. And so often, that's what it is. When Rangers scored early, I thought, all right, 
well, it's game over. But I did kind of forget that they've got, like, with the exception of the game at Tidecastle, where they were kind of helped by Hearts being down to 10 men, because it's, it's poor as Hearts were at that at the points that day. I still don't think Rangers would have won 4-0 if Hearts had kept 11 men on the park. But they've got, like, no ruthlessness in them at all at the moment. I mean, they did kind of bombard the Dundee box a bit more in that first half, but the second half performance was so bad from a Rangers team playing against Dundee at Ibrox. And not even, yeah, they made some changes, but you've still got, like, Morelos, Fashion Sakala, Malik Tillman. Like, well, there's guys in that team, like, especially the first two I mentioned there, guys who have got something to prove at this point in time, like, who should be, like, knocking on the manager's door and saying, I need to get a perf- I need to get something here. And the amount of times they were just passing it backwards all the time, like, refusing to even try and take on a man. And it was like, what are you doing? Like, you should got to show some sort of urgency. They were just, oh, the fact is, like, Scott Wright, I'm going to credit Scott Wright and also kind of give him an um, insult in the, in the same sentence, but Scott Wright was, I thought, one of Rangers' best players. The three Rangers players played well in it, him, Yilmaz, and, and Stephen Davis. Stephen Davis, I think, showed more energy than, than all of his teammates, and he's 37, which really tells you a lot about what it was like to, to watch that Rangers side. But Scott Wright, good in terms of willingness, Wants to run at people, confidence to do it, ask questions. He's still not that good, though, is he? He's got right. He's, he's, a, he's a good Rangers squad player to have, but when he's the one that's showing you how it's done and you're looking at that in the same field as him, as a much more talented player who achieved much more in the game, I mean, that's just it's mind-boggling. Sorry, go to Duncan, because I interrupted him before. I was just going to say, like, it was... I think you're absolutely spot on to that, 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 that Scott Wright being the, like, if you were to do kind of NHL stars of the match sort of thing, was would be one of them, is, is kind of damning in that degree. And it was it was just such a pedestrian performance from Rangers, but not in a not in a comforting way. Like, you know, you can you can win a, a game 1-0, but you've you've peppered the goal. But it was it was unexciting. And that I know, like it is I would I'm going to say with all due respect to Dundee, but there's none. There's none in that regard. Like that. Like the, the Dundee was an opportunity to put on a show for Rangers, and I think it's kind of damning that they didn't seem capable, rather than even willing to do so. Um, it was quite interesting. That was obviously Rangers fans were incandescent because um, <laughs> because the, the Rangers fans. But they were, uh, someone had highlighted uh, someone that had done analysis of of uh, Van Bronckhorst as PSV manager, and it was exactly what <laughs> what last night was all about in terms of that if you if you're in opposition and you plug the midfield, that's that he's got no plan B after that. And Dundee did that relatively well, I thought. Um, and and basically, all that happens is the ball keeps going back, and you're hoping that your your wing you're going to come be able to do something. Uh, you come back through your defence and, and maybe up the wing, but that, but there was just nothing on show. And I think that you'd be a bit concerned. I mean, someone like Alfredo Morel should be able should be terrorising a Dundee defence, and yet that just wasn't in. And I, I don't know if it is. Players down in it's not down in tools because like you know they're they're still grinding out results, but it, it, there doesn't seem to be a lot of joy there. And again, there's you know that um, I mean there's a lot of unhappiness in the fan base about things towards the club rather than necessarily the team. But it, it feels like 
the team are about to get wrapped up in that as well and stuff. Uh, uh, you know, and you've got guys like Lundstrom going on podcasts, giving better injury updates than than the club's willing to provide. And uh, and I think there's just a um, there's just a malaise within the club. And I don't know if that I I don't know even if uh, managerial change would make that much of a difference. Aside from the fact that the squad is underperforming, so there w- there is a difference. There will be a difference be made in terms of they the, the could be a lot more entertaining, but there, there there seems to be signs of a wider malaise at the club. I think the, the recruitment's been a big problem as well because how many of the players that have come in have you thought like he's improved the team? Yeah, you mentioned Yilmaz played well, um, but if he's not playing well against not, Dundee, then he's he's not he's not had a he's not really had a chance. I think he's only starting the league unless I've missed one was against us and he played okay. But he's um guys like Matondo not flatters to deceive a lot. Ben Davies, there's something weird going on with him as a player. I don't think he's that good. Um Tillman Tillman's been good in little bits, but he's at his age and stuff, you would expect him to be a player who you kind of have as a squad option. And if you you know, not because he's not good enough, but because he's young and you're trying to bring him on and you don't want to be putting the pressure of playing every game on them and stuff like that, but there's so little to like about that team whenever you watch them. They've, they've, they've been able to blood uh, Leon King, and that's been good from a point of view of kind of, he's clearly the next one that they want to to sell. He's clearly the next kind of off the the, the production line um, that they want to create, and that's fine. But again, taking a 7-1 pumping off Liverpool with him in the team is not going to really help his case there. I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll stop him from you know, a team signing them, but he seems to be kind of coming in. That's good. They've got a couple other young guys on the fringes and maybe that's just what they need at this point. It's just some some youth just to invigorate it a bit, but they've, they've gone from a team who you were looking at them last season and being like, you know, not only do they have, have they been performing really well in Europe particularly, but they've got a bit of depth and they've got guys who weren't in that team who you think, you know, they've still got something to offer folk like Roof and these guys and they've just, they've just you know, for various reasons, drifted out of out of contention essentially, and I I think the managers on borrowed time. I, I to be honest, don't really see a way back for them beyond you know suddenly turning around and winning the, the last two Champions League games and somehow qualifying or something. Um, which which I am quite happy to confidently state right now will not happen. And <laughs> uh, and maybe I mean maybe he can win this cup. But he won the Scottish Cup last year, and I don't think that's enough to keep him in a job. I, I think, honestly, the only thing that can keep him in a job is Celtic getting shitter. <laughs> um, uh, before we move on, I'm just going to talk briefly about Dundee. Um, we could talk more about them, but uh, I don't really know much about uh, lower league clubs. <laughs> the, the defensive partnership of Tyler French and Ryan Sweeney, very impressive in this game. Both of them had really strong matches. Rangers, I think, made it a bit easier for them at times with a kind of lack of dynamism in the central areas up top. But the they, makings of a, a very good partnership in terms of the fact that you can see that, that French has a bit of composure about him and from what I've read for Dundee fans, they seem to be very impressed with him and, and one of their, their signings of the season so far. Sweeney is a bit more meat and potatoes as we saw when he was in the top flight last season. The problem with Sweeney and, and, and the problem with Dundee's defence in, in recent games in the Championship is that they begin away too many slack goals and he's been costly quite a few times. He does have these bomb scare tendencies and maybe this is the type of match we do see from centre-half sometimes where they are 
you know, excellent in the big games where they have to concentrate. It's like they're so focused and then the run of the mill stuff, their mind just starts to wander and then they're an absolute disaster. Max Anderson, I thought, I thought he was superb when he came off the bench. He was was brilliant at, at winning the, the ball back and, and pushing Dundee up the park. And that was where they started to have a couple of moments that kind of put the hearts in, in Rangers' mouths. And, but other than that, although there was one point I was like, hmm, are Dundee going to get something here? But there just was still an overall kind of lack of quality in the side that I just, after after that, that chance for the, the substitute who you mentioned, uh, Craig, he's kind of, it was a cross that just about deceived McLaughlin and went in at the back post. I kind of thought, I don't think they're... I don't think they've quite got enough to, to get back into this and take this extra time. Or was that just me being pessimistic? Duncan, you watched it as well. No, I thought after Davis uh, headed in, that was that was the game done, to be honest. You could wrap it up and it was only be a question of how many. I think that, um, but obviously then Rangers decided not to play, the, fulfill their side of the bargain in that in that regard. Um, and yeah, Dundee, like... If only they were as resolute for the rest of the game as they were, uh, you know, like for the rest of the game before the, the conceded. Then that last night had the potential to be make it difficult for Rangers, and you know it's that sort of thing of of of, of keeping in the game. Um, but I, you know, as soon as as soon as Rangers scored, I really didn't see. A, I couldn't see a way of uh, Dundee being able to rattle Rangers enough to to to, to do anything. I'm afraid. Apologies in advance to Aberdeen fans because I did say, like, you know, tell you to uh, piss off at the start of this podcast because we're not talking about your hearts win. We're also not going to talk about your park that win very much either because they couldn't see the game. And uh, the fact that it was on Wednesday and they were recording this on Thursday means that we didn't really kind of have time to dig it out for Scout, if indeed it was uploaded to Scout in time for, for any of us to watch it. What I will say is that Luis Lopez, or Duke, as he is known, he is really turning into something of a hero at Aberdeen in, in recent weeks. He was excellent against Hearts, particularly in that second half. Wasn't sure what to make him when he first came in, but it, he was kind of limited quite often to just kind of impact performances off the bench. But I think you're starting to see that he's looking quite a, a decent find for them this summer. And if he can... I mean, he's it's very unlikely because it's, it's just typically unlikely of players in the Scottish Premiership who don't play for Celtic or Rangers to show the kind of consistency across the course of a campaign that we've seen from him in the last seven days. But if he can at least get somewhere near that level, then Aberdeen might actually be a... Because I could have almost written them off as like... Well, it's hard to say because I've not really been impressed by anybody in terms of third place. I just, well, first, I just like hearts if they get their, get everybody back. If the injury crisis eased up, Europe gets out of the way. I do think hearts are still the strongest, third strongest team in the, in the country and I don't think it's necessarily even that close. But... Aberdeen and Hibs have been making me think otherwise in recent weeks, and Duke is somebody at Aberdeen who really could shoot them up the table because there are a lot of pieces to them. Miofsky is obviously a good goal scorer, but he adds an extra dynamism, and and I mean that in the both the sense of adding something extra to the attack and the way that he moves on the pitch, especially when he starts in kind of central areas because he, he likes to move in and out, and that causes a lot of problems for defenders. And his work rate is just really, really impressive. Anyway, anybody got anything to say about Aberdeen? He needs to- Oh, he's a, the age profile, his age profile, he's obviously 22, so he's um, the sort of player that if he can come in, this is his first time playing real football, really, because he was in the Benfica youth team and stuff, and yeah, they play at like the Portuguese equivalent of the championship or whatever, but he's um, any any idiot can 
do well in that league as Ryan Gold discovered. Um, um, one, one for the one for the purists there. Um, <laughs> but the um, he's he's taken to it really well, taking it to taking to it like a duck to water almost. Oh um, And uh, that did that just came out of my head as I said it. But he's um. One that if he does well, there's obviously potential sell-ons and all that. We're talking about that. There's the right age profile for all that kind of thing, and he, and he is an exciting player to watch. And Aberdeen, I mean Aberdeen, just swarmed over the top of Thistle in this game. The the um, I watched the the red TV highlights that were available. First of all, John Hewitt, like calm down, you're beating a championship team at home because he was like yes after every single goal, as if it was like a. Uh, like one of his goals, in yeah, the right. Yeah, like, yeah, yes, like you scored the winning goal in a uh, European final or something. But um, they played, they played well. They they have been extremely formidable at Petodre this season. Um, they're, they're rant, rattling in the goals at Petodre. The way that uh, I was say the way McInnes sets them up, so so on autopilot. The way that Goodwin sets them up at home um, makes them a really a really difficult team to play against because they've got a lot of attacking players on the park and they kind of basically commit bodies forward and if you stop they can't it's hard to stop them all. Um and, and we saw that again and, and Thistle kind of helped them out because there was a lot of slack passes um, that were leading to things. Ryan Duncan's goal was a pick of the bunch, I would say. He came he came on um second half and, and lashed one in. Um and he's kind of been on the fringes and he's had a few chances. So yeah, he's they they to me are a bit of a flaky team at the moment because they're they're really struggling away from home. Um but if they can sort it's always that like you always you always look at the positive or if they can sort out their uh, away form and uh, they can do well. Of course, you never ask if they well. What if they, they, they maintain their away form and their their home form just gets shitter? Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll look at the positives. And I think I think I wasn't sure about them at the start of the season with the signings because they brought in a lot of guys that didn't have much Scottish football experience. But they all seem to be doing pretty well, and and I'm pretty I I. Don't share your optimism about Hearts at the moment. I've got to say, Craig, and I, and I think Aberdeen are now probably <laughs> I mean, just, just at, about the favourites. I just look at the games against like Hearts need to even playing up at Aberdeen. That Hearts defence is an absolute shambles, and Hearts should have been a couple of goals ahead. Like I just, I just think that but, when but, you get but Craig, you win, Craig, Craig Kyle back and 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 keep them fit, and it's not like a huge injury history with either of them, as far as I'm aware. Then I think they'll be fine. You've also forgotten that they are now Heart of Midlothian employees, so are destined to spend lots more time in the treatment room. <laughs> I did um, say if they get injury crisis sorted, so that is yeah. the caveat. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that injury crisis has been gone since about 2013. It was already uh, last season. Castles, it was already last season until that Dundee United game in March, and then ever since then it's been a disaster. Uh, right, yeah. Um, no, sorry, Ab- do you have any add to that? finish. Uh, yeah, Aberdeen fans that uh, I know that were at the game and, and online absolutely uh, raving about uh, Aidan Coulson's performance. Obviously, got the goal, but was instrumental in, in uh, at least at least one other. I can't remember if they said uh, an, um, at least another as well as that. So, but Aberdeen are a bit like Hibs, I think, this season in terms of when when they're good, they're really entertaining to watch. When they're when they're bad, they're they they properly stink the joint out. Um, I don't really know that again. If we talk about Aberdeen, we're not we're not we've not barely talked about part of this on this. I think uh, saw from a few of their fans, they're they were a bit fed up of oh we've, we're we're uh, kind of getting patronised for you know bringing a good away support but not really turning up. And I think that would be a bit bit galling for them in terms of they just 
it's always going to be difficult if you're a championship side to up against someone like Aberdeen when they're in form. But you might want to think about defending a bit more. Right, guys, that'll do us. Thank you very much to everybody for listening. We are now going to go record the Patreon. If you would like to listen to that, it is patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. What we're going to talk about is Lee Johnson's comments on there being a just a, a real poor mentality in Scottish football when it comes to Celtic and Rangers, and that's what's stopping us from really kind of you know challenging them and giving them a good game all the time. It's uh, just all in the head. It's all in the head. Nothing to do with money. So we're going to discuss that uh, over on the Patreon, like I said, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. Duncan, thank you. Thank you. Craig, thank you. Thanks very much. And unless you're a Celtic fan for the weekend, I hope you enjoy your football. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.